Welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. We have a great guest with us today on the Think MHK podcast. It's our newest staff person at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce, Christian Bishop, who is our new military relations manager. Welcome to the show, Christian. Thanks, Jason. And welcome to the chamber. We're so happy to have you. I'm excited to be here. So we always ask this question of all of our guests. We ask them to tell us a little bit about themselves and how they ended up in Manhattan. So why don't you uh, start off with that? I am a Manhattan native, graduate from Manhattan High and K-State. My first move here to Manhattan was due to my father being a single parent. My maternal and paternal grandparents lived in Salina and Topeka. So despite him being a former KU football all-star, um, he chose Manhattan to be the central location um, to raise me and my brother. And then the second time, I came to Manhattan uh, was when my spouse at the time commissioned to the Army. I was going to K-State, and he called and said, we got our duty station. Guess what? We're coming to Fort Riley. So naturally, we had our daughter, um, and I started working at Fort Riley, so I just stayed. Well, that's good. So we've talked about this before. Your dad was a football player at KU, so but you weren't conflicted at all. You're, you're a K-State person. I'm a K-State grad. Yeah. Uh, my heart is KU. It is a very hard um, sell. Um, it's actually one of my uh, fast questions, but uh, the one thing my family told me growing up was uh, they'd disown me if I went to K-State, but funny, um, I'm now their favorite. So. Oh, well, there you go. So clearly they didn't mean it when yeah. they said that. Now, you worked at Fort Riley uh, as a civilian employee for over 15 years. Uh, what were the various roles you had at Fort Riley? I started off uh, in child youth and school service as an assistant director and worked my way up to being a director of one of the four child care centers. I took a leadership mentor position, and during that time, I was asked what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I said, uh, I'd love to try catering and hospitality. Uh, four weeks later, I was asked to take over the business manager position and run the conference center, um, and then that's kind of how I ended up in protocol. Um, due to budget cuts, they had to close the catering position, and protocol had a position, and through working with them in partnerships, they had asked me to apply so I had spent the last three years doing ceremonies and events for One ID. Talk about protocol for a minute, because a lot of people know you. I know it was funny that they said, oh, I've seen your name a million times, but we've never met. So most people know you from your work in protocol. What, what exactly did you do in that office? So the protocol office um, is kind of the engagements, but what uh, right looks like uh, for the Army and First Division. Uh, so my major role was uh, to plan all the ceremonies and events for 1ID. So all the change of commands, uh, victory with honors, uh, victory week activities. Those are my main components. Of course, if the general hosted any distinguished visitors, um, I was that coordination. Um, and then we were just kind of the, I call it the Oz behind the scenes of ensuring that, you know, we did what right looked like to the Army. So, yeah, guys. So, you worked a lot with our person at the time, which Janet Nichols, who yes. had this position for 10 years. So, when this role opened and we started talking about it, you, you had a big decision to make because you had been at Fort Riley 
for a long time. So why did you decide to make the move into a community role as opposed to being uh, on post? I think the biggest two is uh, the Manhattan community and then the Fort Riley community have been the two places that I have called home my entire life. Um, and regardless of the fact that I was from here, these two communities were the reason why I wanted to stay here. Um, and so seeing the great work that Janet had did and the collaboration and the partnership um, when this position did come available, um, that's kind of what excited me and inspired me. Um, and I hate to love say it, but... Uh, the drive um, has been probably one of the best single things is to actually be present for my daughter during this time. Yeah, because your daughter goes to school at Manhattan Catholic, right? Catholic, yeah. So yeah, so and you live in the in the area, yes. so you were driving through Manhattan every day and then going to work. So obviously saved a lot of time in the vehicle. Now, now you've told me before that well, you had a nickname on post, right? What was your nickname? My nickname was Miss Manhattan. Right. I actually did, uh, during Big Red One Year Family, we did a Ask Me Anything segment podcast. And so I was the host for that. And so it kind of did turn into Miss Manhattan. People still come to me and ask me, text me, even before I worked at the chamber. Hey, I heard this restaurant's coming. Hey, I heard this business is coming. Uh, can you confirm or deny that for me? So that was kind of, you know, nice Thinking that I was Miss Manhattan and then getting to the chamber and realize that I work for a whole uh, organization of Mr. and Mrs. Manhattan. There's a lot of Mr. and Mrs. Manhattans uh, in the chamber, both volunteer and professional. So um, so describe your role as the military relations manager. What, what, Obviously, no day looks alike, but talk about what that role is and, and uh, why it's important to the organization. Keyword no day is uh, the same. I've gotten over the just of trying to figure out where I'm supposed to be. But my biggest thing is just that partnership, continuing to um, help Manhattan and Fort Riley realize that this is the place that people want to call home, uh, regardless of if they're here during their duty station and decide to leave or if they decide to come back, like just ensuring that this is a place that they can foster and grow. And so um, most of my day is revolved around um, making those connections um, and just, you know, ensuring that we are supporting that quality of life. And so what are some key initiatives for the Chamber's military relations program? There's really three big ones. Uh, connect businesses and community leaders to Fort Riley. So either offering community tours, monthly luncheons, having that foster um, that community aspect of connecting and fellowship, continuing, of course, to create a welcoming community. You know, I, like I said, we want Fort Riley to be the number one choice when soldiers have a new duty station. Um, but I also want Manhattan to be the place when they decide to retire and leave um, and call home. And I would say that, you know, kind of my previous position on Fort Riley, we often heard the tale of two tales. I loved it here. And also people said, this is why I chose to come back. Like this community is important. So how do we continue um, to promote and foster that welcoming community, and then, of course, advocate um, for not only Fort Riley, but Manhattan to sustain and grow. So with all the new initiatives that we have between the Elevate Fund, Child Care Accelerator, NBAF opening, um, and of course, the new Manhattan Area Technical College being built, there are so many reasons why we are the center of everything. Yes, you talked about that a minute about protecting and, and growing Fort Riley. What are the strengths that 
that we have when the Army looks at Fort Riley and, and what are some of the challenges that we face in protecting and growing our mission? So I think the number one, um, you'll keep hearing this over and over, um, is the partnership. Fort Riley, this is the third time that they have actually won the community partnership uh, for the fifth time in the Army. So that is a huge accomplishment. And of course, showing of the fact that, you know, partnerships do strengthen um, the training facilities on the installation to be able to conduct real life training without leaving the installation. Um, and again, this the fact that we are the center of everything. So the installation can deploy within 72 hours. And then there's also just a lot of on-post support entities, such as the gyms, childcare, um, spare time, and pools that, you know, they can enjoy on-post. But I th- would say the biggest challenge right now is the fact that a little over 30% of current high schoolers in America are eligible to serve. So, you know, trying to help and figure out as the Army rebands, uh, recruits, and retrains, how do we continue to protect and support that mission? Yeah, so staffing is becoming a challenge really across the board. And it ca- and it's impacted the amount of soldiers we have at Fort Riley right now because you just not enough people to go around. It's going to be a challenge going forward, and we'll have to see what we can do to, to help that, if anything, on the local level. So Fort Riley is a little different in other places where I've been and worked in military uh, some other communities where I have, it's, it's, there's one community, one military base. We have two pretty strong communities connected to Fort Riley and actually two separate gates. So one that goes into Junction City and then one, of course, that, that's closer to Manhattan. What impact does having two strong communities uh, at the gates, Junction City, Manhattan, uh, affect Fort Riley and the leadership and how they engage uh, publicly? So I would say somewhat of a peace of mind uh, that as soldiers get stationed here, having an uh, effective relationship with the neighboring towns um, somewhere, you know, if there's housing issues, medical issues, having that relationship with those outside towns just it helps that quality of life. The other biggest thing is when soldiers leave, because as you know, Uh, Big Red One is always the first to go. Having two communities wrap their arms around the families to ensure that when the service member is away, they're taken care of, I think is extremely important. Um, And the simple fact that there are entities that are off the installation that they don't have. It's important to realize that, um, yes, there are, are great entities inside of the walls of Fort Riley, but it's just great to get out. Um, And they can't all um, be housed in Fort Riley. So having a community that they can live in and foster and grow is just as important. I remember, you know, the impact of Fort Riley is tremendous on both communities. I think the last study that came out showed that in the region, Fort Riley's impact is close to $4 billion, which is incredible. But I know we learned a lot, our, our businesses learned a lot, and we heard it during and after the pandemic. I remember Perry Wiggins one time talking about that it's not like it used to be in that you aren't going to recognize a soldier in your community because they, because of various changes in rules, the haircuts are different, and what people wear is different. And so... Uh, what we find at Fort Riley when they come to Manhattan is they try to look like just an average Kansas State student. And so a lot of times what we think are students are actually soldiers. And I know during the pandemic, uh, we had a lot of our restaurants and um, bars 
that really felt when when um, Fort Riley stopped allowing soldiers to come to town, really felt the impact of that. And then you could see it immediately when that restriction was lifted. The traffic increased. I mean, it was just a tremendous amount of, of activity. And so I think, you know, the pandemic was terrible and we all hated it. But but from a standpoint of of the community recognizing the importance of Fort Riley on Manhattan, I think it really did a lot. I would agree. And I would echo. Um, I think that's when we really had to get creative into saying, well, yes, you can't go to this business or whatever, but these are the other five businesses that you can go to. So really, you know, having the chance to think outside of the box and come together to say, you know, this is what's best for all, you know, I think that strengthened the partnership in the communities. As and of well. course, you dealt with both communities, but they're two very different types of communities and and uh, each has their strength, each has their challenges. And I'm sure that made it a challenge for you all in the protocol office, as well as as the general officers in the in the on post. Uh, we got really creative. Uh, in fact, I actually hosted more ceremonies and events during COVID um, just because we had to get creative in how to still keep the mission, keep that quality of life of recognizing soldiers as they came in and out, but also keep the community and soldiers safe. Uh, you're not new to to Manhattan Chamber. So talk about your previous involvement uh, with our chamber. And, and I know also, you've gone through the Flint Hills Leadership Program, which we're involved in. But talk about how you've been engaged with the Manhattan Chamber before you became a staff member. I was actually nominated and was a graduate of the Manhattan Leadership class. I still say it's it's not necessarily the best class because everybody's class is the best. Um, but when it really came to learning what... Um, the community did, um, government did, as far as city government, county government, and the state government and federal government, um, being in that class of 2020 during a COVID environment was uh, pretty eye-opening. Um, that's really where I learned my call for um, volunteer um, and self-service. So yes, I uh, graduate from Manhattan Leadership served on the board. Um, as Jason mentioned, I am a Flint Hills Regional graduate, um, and I also am one of the chairs of the board. Um, two great programs that really, I guess, strengthen your leadership skills in two different ways. Um, and then my other two favorite boards that I do serve on is the Boys and Girls Club board, the Mount Mitchell board, and um, I am remiss because I am on the DEI board for the chamber too. And we appreciate you agree to do that. So, why is it important for the chamber to be engaged in military relations? Chamber is the pulse of the town. I would say that we are the drivers when it comes to economic impacts, entrepreneurships, workforce initiatives, um, and welcoming new business. I kind of talked about, you know, just the simple fact of when I was uh, Miss Manhattan on Fort Riley, the amount of text messages that I would get about new businesses coming um, and the excitement from people. Um, and so now it's kind of crazy working for the chamber and actually seeing that excitement um, happen in real life. Um, but the other great thing about the chamber is we have the CBB board. Um, so as family members and service members start to arrive, um, distinguished visitors come to town and Fort Riley hosts, you know, their conferences. Having this VB board part of our team, I think, is an asset and showcasing um, all of the entities that Manhattan has to offer. And so if somebody wants to get involved, uh, I know we always talk about the easiest way to get involved is start coming to the luncheons. 
Which remind me, are which day of the month it's? They are the first Wednesday. First of- Wednesday of the month. And you can get on our website and, and find we rotate those between uh, three, our three hotels. Uh, but but what are some other ways other than the luncheon that someone can get involved in MRC? Following our Facebook page, the Manhattan Chamber page. Also, just getting to Fort Riley, I think, is another way to be involved. Um, seeing what Fort Riley has to offer. Um, if your business or organization wants to take a tour on to Fort Riley, you know, always just reaching out so we can get you scheduled for an event. But I think those are the most things, the luncheon and just Uh, Like I said, taking that tour on to Fort Riley to really see what they have to offer um, and just help broadening that relationship. One big event that we have coming up later in the summer that I'm sure we could use all the volunteers that that we could find. uh, We host the call with the um, the military families for the Call Valley Rodeo. So we give we buy tickets and we give away about twenty five hundred tickets to that. And and we'll have something for them to come and eat and drink before they go to the rodeo. So I'm sure you you could use volunteers. That'd be in July. It's just such a great event. You mix the rodeo, uh, the 1ID band comes out. But again, it's just a great way to get involved and to thank soldiers and their family members for their service. And you have a support organization. You might want to talk about them in a little Apple Brigade. Is that um, so somebody can join that and they have a couple events a year. So the Little Apple Brigade um, is just another way that um, business leaders and uh, the leaders of Fort Riley can connect um, and kind of have that one-on-one conversation that just fosters into more growth. Um, and so we ha- just had our spring social. It was a great event. Um great time to actually welcome One ID back from the rotation in Eastern Europe. And then we'll have another ball in the fall. So um, again, if you're interested in Little Apple Brigade, you can always reach out. And I just talked to Colonel Foote today, in fact, and uh, sounds like uh, with the exception of a few smaller groups that'll be traveling, that that it could be we have almost everybody home in 2024. So that was good news too. We haven't had that in a while. It has been over two and a half years that we've had everybody from the installation home. So um, they probably won't know what to do with the extra traffic. Um, but, you know, it's it's exciting time. Yeah, it'd be good for good for our local businesses and, and the community overall. So we're glad to have everybody back and safe. So, all right. So that's the end of the main segment. Now, I know you have been made aware of the rapid fire section of the podcast. So you 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 have got your questions, and we are ready to to set your rapid fire part of the podcast. So you think you're ready for this? We'll see. Okay. All right. Here we go. Uh, do you have any hidden talents? I don't know if it's a talent, but I can lead a mad class of Zumba if needed. Oh, there you go. That that's a talent. It's at least a learned talent. Uh, what movie have you seen the most? Shrek. If you could. Only watch one movie or television show for the rest of your life. What would it be? Is it Shrek? Actually, it's Matlock. Matlock. Yeah, it's Matlock. You know, Andy Griffith's a talented guy. Describe your perfect day. April 25th. It's not too hot, not too cold. Ah, I like it. I like it. That's a good one. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. Okay. What what job did you want as a kid? I wanted to be a principal. A principal. Why? My grandma was a principal. okay. So... If someone paid you to write a blog or book about anything, what would it be about? It would be about the things that I wish I could say to my kid. 
life lessons. That would be good. <laughs> yeah. What was your first job? It actually was uh, working for the city of Manhattan when I was 14. Uh, believe it or not, all of the city trails were wood chipped. Um, and so that was my job my freshman year um, in high school was repaving all of the trails on in Manhattan with wood chips. Uh, who inspires you the most and why? I said I wanted to be a principal. It would be my grandma. She was a principal um, in Salina. And so just, you know, her values um, of, you know, giving back, um, you know, pursuing and reaching out to community um, for, you know, ensuring that her children were taken care of was always important. So I would say um, my grandma. What is the most unusual pet you've had? A rooster. So my daughter got to take home one of those chickens that she hatched from school. So I took it home for spring break and then COVID happened. And so he, uh, we thought it was a chicken and it actually ended up being a rooster. And what was the rooster's name? His name was Red. Red. From the movie Friday. That's a good name. Aside from necessities, what one thing could you not go a day without? I would say probably coffee. It's a, a hard thing. Even... No matter what time of year, I need to have it. So, What is the most ridiculous thing you believed as a child? I said it earlier, but uh, my parents and family told me that I would not uh, succeed if I went to K-State. And again, now they, I'm well, there. They didn't say that you wouldn't succeed. They said they would disown you. Well, that too. Yeah, but clearly that, that was not now true. Now I'm their favorite. There you so. go. Um, and then last question, and these are, I guess, two answers. What is your first and your favorite concert? So my first concert was in Bramlage Coliseum, uh, Dixie Chicks, when I was 16. They're the chicks now. They, the they, chick, they're, they're they the changed chicks. it. That's right. Um, and I, I can't necessarily say I have one favorite concert. So um, I went on a year concert trio. So my trio concerts was Katy Perry, Pink, and Taylor Swift. Those are all probably really good concerts. I've not been to any of them, so... Well, Christian, thank you so much um, for being with us today, but also thank you for joining our team. We're so excited to have you. As I've said many times, when when Janet left, we were concerned what we were going to do, and but uh, you were our first choice, and so I'm glad that we could convince you to, to become part of the Manhattan Chamber. I'm excited. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.